you're listening to The Gathering Church Podcast, located in Asheville, North Carolina. The Gathering is a place where you can belong before you believe. To find out more, visit gatherashville.org. Well, good morning and welcome to The Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor and it's so good to have you here today. We're so honored to have you. If it's your first time here, I'm just so honored to have you with us. Thanks for for being a part of it. I, I hope that I get to meet you today over in step one or outside on your way out. Make sure you say hi because we're glad to have you here. Hey, Today, I want to share one thing with you before I get into the message. We've got an event coming up this Friday night, and it is going to be incredible. It's called Called. And what, what we want to do is a couple different things. First, if you're on the Dream Team, this event is really, it's for you. We, we want you to uh, come and be equipped. I, I, I want, I've got a, a message prepared for you that I want to share that uh, really, I, I, wanna, I want us to remember together why it is we do what we do, why it matters so much, what, what it is that we're called to do, and what it is we're trying to accomplish here together as this church. And so if you're on that dream team, and I just would love the opportunity to equip you on Friday night. We're going to feed you. We got some good food prepared for you, getting it catered, and uh, we're going to worship together and have a great time, really. And, and so that's for you to come and get equipped. Or if you've not been on the dream team, but you've got questions about it, this is an incredible opportunity. It's open to everybody. And so you are welcome to come and join us, whoever you are, no matter how long you've been here for called on Friday night. And you'll get to hear a little bit about what it is our dream team does, the heart behind that team, the why behind that team. And and then we'll give you the opportunity to talk to the leaders of those teams and ask some direct questions about what they do and how you can get involved. And so if you are interested in joining us for called this Friday night, uh, we need you to RSVP so we know just how much food to get. And that's at gatherashville.org. You'll see a banner as soon as you get on our page that you can click on to RSVP for that. That's on August 27th from 6 to 8 p.m. And we're hosting it at Seacoast Asheville, which is on Sweeten Creek Road, just past Hillman Brewery. And so we, we would love the opportunity to be able to hang out with you and, and share that with you this Friday night. Well, today we are wrapping up a series called Dangerous Prayers. Dangerous Prayers. We've been learning together to pray prayers that God almost always answers. In fact, that's what makes them dangerous. Is These are prayers that you will receive an answer to, but those answers that you will receive almost always require change. And that change requires work and sometimes even perseverance through our pain. And, and so these prayers are dangerous because of the work and the perseverance and the change that follows. But on the other side of it is always something better. Today, as we wrap this series up, I want us to learn a prayer of availability, a prayer of availability. I think a lot of our prayers are about what we want God to do for us. God, can you help me get this job? I really need this job. God, will you bless this food for me? God, help me to feel better, to get better. God, help the people I care about to get better. Do this for me, God. Help me, give me, bless me. 
prayers. Now hear me say this. God wants you to pray those prayers. In fact, I believe it's an essential part of your prayer life. I believe that praying prayers for yourself and for the things that you care about, oh, I believe that's just a, that's one of the things that, that creates intimacy between you and God. He wants to know it. He wants to hear you say it. They matter and they're important, but they cannot be the only kind of prayers we pray. I believe that instead of always asking God what he can do for us, it's time to start asking God what we can do for him and to learn a prayer of availability, a prayer of availability. When I was a young man, my answer to any question was, I'll go. Yeah, I'll go. Hey, man, we're going to go. Yeah, I'll go. Hey, we're going to go fishing at midnight for no apparent reason. Yeah, I'll go. I'll drive. Hey, man, we're going to go to a concert for a band that you don't like. Yeah, I'll go. I'll drive. Hey, hey, man, we're going we're gonna to go to a restaurant that you've never heard of before. I'll go, sure, I'll go. And I, this was my answer to everything. This is really, it was kind of a part of who I was. I was always going everywhere all the time. I could not have been more available. I was single, and I had nowhere to be and no one to be with. And so if you were going somewhere, I was coming with you. That's the way I was. And uh, you know what happened is as I got older and I got married and as I as my career paths changed and as I as I had kids, come on somebody, my availability changed and, and life started to get in the way of that I'll go. But what happened was, to me at least, my answer didn't change. It was really, it was just my availability that changed. And so people would be like, hey, John, Mark, we're going to go do this thing on Thursday. And I'd be like, yeah, I'll go. But guess what? I was not going to go. What happened was that I, in my heart, I really wanted to. But it just wasn't, I was, I'm, I was that guy, you know, on Thursday afternoon, hey man, so sorry, I'm just not going to be able to do it. Or, uh, hey, we're leaving at 6, sure, at 5.59, I'm like, hey guys, just have a great time tonight, so sorry, I'm not going to, what I turned into was a flake, the worst flake you ever knew. I was flaking every single day as often as possible. Here's what I think happens to us a lot in our spiritual lives. When we first become a Christian, we're that I'll go person. Wherever God wants us to go, whatever he wants us to do, we're in, we're available, we wanna do it. But as life moves on and we allow more things back into our lives, good things, important things often, we become less and less available. And maybe our hearts don't change. Maybe we wanna be available, but in reality, we're following our routines, our schedules, doing what we want to do, doing what, what we've got to get done, and less and less and less of what God is calling us to do. And that's why a prayer of availability is a dangerous prayer. Because a prayer of availability says, no, I really will go. I want to look at a couple, uh, a couple different ways that that can play out in us today. Because today's dangerous prayer is Send me, send me, God. I think throughout the scriptures and especially in conversations at Christian colleges everywhere, we hear people talking about God calling them. 
God calling them. God calling them places. We see it, we see it all throughout the Old Testament. God would call places, people to places and, and other people and to do things here and there. We, we see it in the New Testament. Jesus would call his followers to things. And we see calling happening often. It's a, it's, it, I believe that God calls people to things and, and that he's got dreams and purpose and all these things that he calls us to. And when he does, I think there are three responses that we are likely to give to the calling of God. And number one is, here I am, Lord. I'm not going. I'm not going. This is the answer of Jonah in the Bible. It says, Jonah chapter one, verse one through three says, God tells him, go to the great city of Nineveh to preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. Sometimes we know God is calling us to live a certain way, to do a certain thing, to, to step into a certain purpose, and we just don't want to do it. It's just a no. It's a no from me. Maybe there's something in your heart that you just don't want to give up. Maybe there's some area of your life that you're just not willing to allow God into. You keep it protected and guarded. Maybe you don't want to rearrange your life to make God a priority in it. You found a place somewhere in your life that's convenient for you to place God and your spirituality and church and all those things. And you're not going to rearrange to put him on top because he fits really well for you somewhere down here. Maybe you don't give because you believe in God and all, but your money is your Money. Maybe there's some sin in your heart you know that you're supposed to leave behind, but you just don't want to, and you don't think it's really hurting anyone, so it should be okay. Maybe there's someone that you know you should share hope with, that you felt it in your spirit, but you don't want them to think that you're weird, so it's a no. God calls Jonah to go preach in Nineveh, and Jonah says, nope, I'm not doing that and runs the other way. I think another answer is, uh, here I am, Lord, send somebody else. Here I am, Lord, send somebody else. You got the wrong guy. This was the answer of Moses in Exodus chapter three and four. We see the whole argument playing out. Moses has the audacity when he's faced with a bush that is burning and yet not consumed, that begins speaking to him, saying, I am the voice of God, to spend two chapters of the Bible arguing with that bush. It says, God says to him, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, but who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? You got the wrong guy. Send somebody else. I can't even talk right. He spends chapters giving God all these reasons. He was the bad choice and there had to be a better one. I wonder if you've ever seen a God-sized opportunity in your life or, or felt a God-sized calling but decided you weren't the right person to do it, that you weren't qualified enough, that you weren't gifted enough, that you just didn't want to take the risk in your life, that, that somebody else would show up and take care of it for you? Was there a coworker or a neighbor who kept bringing up to you the hard time they'd been having, but instead of offering them the same hope that rescued you, you just nodded your head and said, I'm sorry to hear that. Was there a need that you saw that you had the ability to meet, but instead of going out of your way or giving out of your budget, you waved it off because 
Today, that's just not your problem. We've all been there in some way, haven't we? I've been there. We hear about a friend who went through a hard time, a community like Haywood County that is suffering, a medical event or whatever it may be, and someone's organized a meal train or a, a GoFundMe or a donation drive. And you think about giving. You think about it, you know, I'll sign up. You know what, I'll just watch and see how it goes. And if there's a need at the very end, I'll see what I can do. If the meal train doesn't fill up, then I'll see what I can do. If, if the GoFundMe doesn't quite hit the goal, then I might throw $5 in there to help. And then we end up doing nothing. I'm guilty of that. Someone else will come along. Somebody else will do it. At the gathering, I believe that we were made to live like no one else is coming. Like nobody else is coming. To love and serve our city like there is no plan B. But it's easier to say, here I am, God. Send somebody else. And then the final answer to the calling of God and the one that we'll, we'll zone in on today is, here I am, Lord. Send me. Here's our dangerous prayer for today. It's the prayer of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter six. This is one of the best passages of scripture in the Bible. I'm just telling you, that this is, this is a moment that a man like you, a, a person like you and me got to experience. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings that covered their faces and two that covered their feet. And with the other two, they were flying and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty and the whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, but my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, Lord. Send me. I believe God wants to send you today. I believe you were created with purpose and potential that is bigger than anything you've ever dreamed of for yourself. And I believe that that purpose that he has for you is bigger than you. I believe that God created you to glorify him and serve others. The purpose God made you with is outside of yourself. And from the moment that you were born, God has been waiting for you to pray this prayer. Send me. 
And when you pray it, when you ask it, when you say, God, send me, when you make yourself available in that way and you do it consistently, God is going to send you into places and he's going to give you opportunities and he's going to make divine appointments for you that are beyond your wildest dreams. You are going to see things in your lifetime that you never dreamed were possible. The moment you say those words, here I am, God, send me. It will change for you and it will change for you forever. All this time that you've spent searching for meaning, searching for purpose, longing to feel complete, longing to feel like you matter in this world, those days will be behind you and you will have ahead of you shalom, peace, blessing, fulfillment in ways you never even thought were possible. And it begins simply by making yourself available. To be sent by God, we have to be fully surrendered to God. By that I mean we can't be held back by this life any longer. If you want to be sent by God and used by him the way that you were created to be, Jesus is clear about the fact that it means we can't have one foot in his world and one foot in in ours. We have to be willing to let go of everything to follow him. Last weekend, I preached a message where our, our prayer was break me. And if you missed it, I'd encourage you to go back and, and hear it. And at the end of that message, we talked about how once we've been truly broken, that our prayer can finally be that we would be broken and poured out for the one who has made us whole again. And so this is really about what you do next. What happens next? How do you get to this place, this place where you are fully surrendered and ready to be sent by the one who has purposed you? A few things that I think can lead you to this place that we can learn from this passage in Isaiah where you are fully surrendered and ready to be sent. Number one, you need to experience the presence of of God. Let's look at the account of Isaiah. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted and seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah is taken to the literal presence of God, and it changes him. I mean, what a scene it is. It's spectacular. It's hard to imagine. He's sitting there in the presence of God, and there's these weird things flying around with all kinds of terrifying wings and eyes, and they're singing songs, and there's smoke, and the temple is shaking, and he's in the presence of God. And just being there has changed Isaiah. I wonder when the last time was you got to encounter the presence of God. When was the last time your response to the world around you was altered by your time in his presence? I believe when you spend time in the presence of God, it changes the way that you would respond to his calling. And I believe that the what we do to enter into the presence of God is not nearly as complicated as we tend to make it. Look at this. Jonah, whose response to God's call was, I'm not going, 
is forced into a moment of isolation. If you know the story, if you grew up in Sunday school, well, Jonah runs away from God. He goes the absolute opposite direction. He gets on a, a ship and, and starts sailing into the opposite direction of Nineveh and God sends a storm to get his attention. And in the storm, Jonah says, we'll end this storm if I go overboard. And so he goes overboard and he goes overboard and he's swallowed up by a big old fish or something weird. That's isolation. Jonah's heart is that he doesn't want to be the one to do this hard thing. Going to Nineveh is hard. He's worried about it. It's not what he wants to do. It's not comfortable. It's not the path he planned. It's not the place he wants to be. It's not the kind of people that he wants to talk to. He doesn't want to get out of his comfort zone. There's a part of his life he's not willing to surrender to God. And so God allows Jonah to walk himself right into a desperate place. And he's isolated, he's desperate, he's quiet finally. Jonah's broken in this moment. And we talked about this last week. Our brokenness can lead us either into bitterness or it can lead us into purpose. Jonah's ship's overwhelmed, he's thrown overboard, he's swallowed by the fish and now finally he's isolated and he's broken and he's angry and he's feeling all of these things and, and maybe for the first time in a long time he's in a space where it's really completely quiet where there's no distractions where there's, there's nothing to pull him away and take his attention somewhere else and he's there in this broken and desperate and lonely place and here's what it says he does in Jonah chapter 2 verse 1 it says from inside the fish Jonah prayed to the Lord his God and he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. Jonah entered into the presence of God and it changed him. Guess what Jonah did next? Exactly what God called him to do. He went to Nineveh and God did a move there and the people were changed by it. You can experience the presence of God as well, just like Jonah did, just like Isaiah did. And I believe that when you do, it will lead you to a place where you are finally prepared to surrender to his calling. I believe it can start right here on a Sunday morning. That in this place, if you get here in time to engage with the worship, I think you got to prioritize it. I came for you this morning. Here we are. I think you got to get here and be ready when that first song starts because it's for you. We are leading this house into a position of worship and into the presence of God. And so come into this space and be prepared. Get here on time and worship alongside your brothers and sisters in Christ. I believe that's a little bit of what heaven looks like when we're in here singing praises to his name on Sunday mornings together united in one voice as the people of God worshiping the presence of God that it walks us into his presence it makes a space for us to engage with him in a way that is unique I think here in this place you can forget about the world outside you can forget about the conversations you had on the way in you can forget about what people are going to think of you when you worship freely and you can let it go and worship Worship alongside your brothers and sisters together as one people. And then, on Monday morning, wake up and worship God. Enter into his presence. 
Make it a habit. I try to make sure that the very first thing that I hear every morning that comes into my ears is worship. It just sets my heart into the right place. It reminds me of who I am serving. And it, it helps me enter into his presence so that I can be changed by it, so that I can make the choice daily to live in the calling I've been given. It reminds me what I've been called to do. You can enter into God's presence. And if you do, if you encounter and experience the goodness of his presence regularly, often, in a rhythm, in a habit, you will be moved by it changed by it. It will make it easier for you to surrender to him fully. We experience the presence of God. And then I think we need to experience the brokenness of me to get to a place where we can really be available to him and surrender to the calling that he would place on us to be sent by him into this world and into our workspaces and our neighborhoods and our families. We've got to really understand where we've come from. Isaiah enters into the presence of God and he's overwhelmed by it. And all he can think of is as he looks at the beauty and the majesty of God and the holiness of God is how unworthy he is to be in his presence. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. But my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty, the more we get in his presence, the more we are aware of the holiness of God. And the more we are aware of how good and holy and perfect and pure he is and how broken and bad I can be. I am selfish. I am so unbelievably selfish. I put my wants and my needs over the needs of others every single day. And I'm, I'm broken in ways that I just don't even know how to fix. Sometimes I'm mean for no apparent reason to the people I care about most. And the closer that I get to God, and the more that I enter into his presence, the more aware of that I become. In order to fully surrender to God and to be ready to actually be sent by him, I believe you have to understand what it is that he's given you. I was depressed and angry and bitter and mean when I met Jesus. I was in the Coast Guard and I was wrapped up in military hazing culture. I bullied people who were new to our unit. I made them feel bad about themselves. I was aggressive I made decisions knowing they would hurt others and I made them willingly. I was extremely depressed and lost. And that's the space where I met Jesus. That's where he found me. That's who I was when I entered into relationship with him for the first time. I was living in a world of hopelessness and he gave me hope. He gave me hope to face each new day and to work to find freedom and he gave me peace in my heart in a place where there had been unrest for so long. He softened my heart. He gave me compassion 
And he allowed me to learn how to love myself so that I could begin to love others. He taught me selflessness and he's taught me how to show kindness in every moment. He's changed the very core of who I thought I was and corrected it back to who he made me to be. He's given me a life so fulfilling and so filled with purpose that I wake up every single morning knowing exactly why I am here. Where there was once just brokenness, now there is joy. I can't begin to put it in words to you what he has done for me. The way that he rescued me, the way that he called me, (laughs) the way that he's transformed me. Look what happened to Isaiah. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he took with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. So your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. What did Isaiah do to deserve that? All he did was acknowledge his brokenness. He didn't make it right. He didn't offer a sacrifice to earn his atonement. He just acknowledged it. He confessed it. He said it aloud. He he saw it. And he acknowledged it. And suddenly it was taken away for him, from him, for good. That is what happened to me. That is who I am now. I am Isaiah in the throne room, atoned for by no fault of my own and no work of my own. And I wonder what he's done for you. And I wonder what your story is. If you follow Jesus, if you do, if you're in relationship with him, I just wonder what kind of stories are in this room today. I I wonder where he, he found you and who you were. I wonder what hurts you had in your heart. What hurts you brought into the world around you. I I wonder what path your life was on. I, I wonder what kind of direction you were heading in when he found you. And I wonder how different you were the next day. I wonder if you remember. If you remember what it felt like in the days, in the weeks, in the months that followed. And as you begin to find freedom how you come to know him more and more each day, what it is he's done for you. I wonder if you can see it, if you're aware of how he took broken pieces and made you whole. I believe we have to be reminded of this often because once we've seen how broken we are, Once we become aware of it, then we are ready to experience the goodness of God. You've got to experience the presence of God. You've got to experience the brokenness of me. And you've got to experience the goodness of God. So I don't know your story, but if you follow Jesus, it is probably because you've come face to face with just how good he is, with how good God is. Isaiah sees the majesty of the throne room and then he realizes how little he deserves to be in that space. And unprovoked, God touches his lips with coal and tells him he's been made holy enough to be in the throne room of God. And in Psalm 31, 
It talks about how good he is. He declares, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have bestowed before the sons of men on those who take refuge in you. God, you are so good. Romans chapter 2, Paul tells us that it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. It is the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. It is not fire and brimstone and scary messages and finger pointing or tracks. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. I wonder if, you, if you're familiar with the story of the prodigal son. It's just my favorite story in scripture. Jesus loved to tell stories in, in uh, parable. He loved to tell stories to people to help them understand the kingdom of God and the nature of God and the, and the heart of God. And he loved, to, he loved to help people understand those things. And so he tells these stories, a couple of them in a row. And one of them, he talks about a lost sheep, you know, and how a shepherd would be willing to leave all 99 sheep behind in pursuit of the one that is lost. And when he finds that one, he would throw it over his shoulders and carry it back and there'd be celebrating and he'd bring all of his friends together. Everybody would throw a big party to celebrate this one lost sheep. And he tells that story. And then he tells a story about a a family and there's a, a father and two sons and the father has land and he has wealth. And one of those sons decides he wants access to that early. He wants it right then and and right there. He doesn't want to wait for his father to die. So he says, I want you to give me my inheritance now. It's like he's telling his father, "I, I want to be done with this family as though you were dead to me and I want to cut myself off from it and go live the way that I want to live. And so his father obliges. He gives him his inheritance and it says the son would would leave and he would go to places that he never should have been and do things that he never should have done and and that he would devote himself to wild living, the Bible says. And then a famine came. I wonder if you've ever been in the season when the famine came. I wonder if you've ever been out there living your life the way that you want, having a good time, maybe. But then the famine came, a pandemic hit, a flood hit, a war hit. And it said the famine came and then the son lost everything. He didn't have anything left. Squandered all the money that he had. And this famine sweeps the land and now he's got nowhere to go and nowhere to be. And so first he just, he tries to find work and he ends up becoming a servant on somebody's land and he's living with the pigs and eating their slop. Things got bad. So I, I just wonder if you remember that. If that's, if that's a part of your story, if you've been in that space where the famine hit and things got bad and you just, your heart was broken and you weren't sure which direction to walk in to get it mended again. The Bible says, when he came to his senses, the son's in there with the pigs and a moment comes along where he comes to his senses. It says, when he came to his senses, He thought to himself, my father's servants live better than this. His his servants have meals to eat and a place to sleep. 
I know what I'll do. I'll just go and beg him to be. I'll, I'll humble myself. I'll, I'll rehearse a speech about all the, the things I've done wrong. And, and I'll humble myself and say, can I just be your servant? And if I can be a servant in my father's house, that's better than being a servant out here. So he goes home and he's walking home and he's rehearsing his speech over and over and over and over again. Uh, Father, forgive me. I have been a, a bad son and I'm sorry for the way that I treated you and I'm sorry for abandoning you and I just, I only deserve to be your slave. I no longer take your name. I'm not your son. I just want to be, I just want to be fed and live in your home again. He's prepared and he's got the speech in his head and his home's, it's at the end of a valley and, and there's this hill that he's cresting and he walks up to the top of this hill and his father his father's at the house and he's standing there he's looking at that hill like he's done every single day since his son left he's watching and he's waiting he's, he's in anticipation the son crests the hill and this dignified wealthy man he sees his son, his son, who he loves, up there on that hill. And it's, it says that he drops his cloak and he sprints across that valley fast as he can, ran to him. It's an undignified thing to do. He didn't care. He ran to his son. And his son sees his father coming and his eyes are welling up and he's so filled with shame and he's so filled with guilt and he so doesn't deserve any of it. And he's preparing and as his father gets closer, he says, Dad, I'm sorry. I, I don't deserve to be in your presence. I don't deserve to be your son. I know. And then this father just comes and he wraps him in a big embrace and he says, I don't need to hear it. I don't, stop. Stop. I don't need to hear it. My son is home. And so we're going to kill the fatted calf and we're going to throw a celebration because my son was lost and now he is found. He was dead and now he's alive again. He takes his ring off his finger and he puts it on his son's finger and he says, you are not a servant in this place. You are not a slave in this house. You are a son in this house and we are going to celebrate that you have come home. I need you to understand the goodness of God. Jesus told this story so that you would have it in your heart always so you would understand that no matter where you've been, no matter how unavailable you've been, no matter how much you've forgotten what he created you for, what he's called you to do, what he set you apart for, no matter how much you've allowed to cloud your vision, there's so much to cloud your vision today, so many other things to distract you from the purpose of your calling. The world has a mission for you and it is not the mission your father created you to serve. And I just wonder if you remember this morning that he is so good that every single time you enter into his presence again and you remember how broken you are, that his response to you is never anything but an embrace and to say, my son was lost and now he is found. Kill the fatted calf for we celebrate today. He is completely good. Romans 2.5 says, remember therefore from where you have fallen and repent and do the works you did at first. Repent. 
What a great word to yell while you wave a Bible. But you know what it means? It just means to turn from, just to go back the other way. You go as far as you want in the wrong direction. God just says, remember what you were, remember. Remember where you were at first. Remember when you were available to me. Remember when you were ready to be sent by me. Remember all the wonderful things we've done together. Come into my presence. Come into my presence again. And I will be good again. And you can do the same works that you did at first. That prodigal son feeling is exactly how Isaiah feels in the throne room of God when God touches his lips and takes away his sin. And so he responds the only way he can. (laughs) Who will go for us? Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Send me. Wherever you need me to go, God, here I am. I'm available, Lord. You need me to go to Haywood County. Here I am, Lord. Send me. You need me to go next door and talk to that neighbor and bring your hope into their house. Here I am, Lord. Send me. You need me to go talk to that family member I've alienated myself from, humble myself, and restore a relationship. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Maybe you've forgotten just how good God has been to you. Maybe you've forgotten just how broken you have been, how much mess and sin and hurt you had inside of you. Maybe it's been a long time since you asked God to send you. It's time to remember. And it's not too late. And so just pray this dangerous prayer. Get your heart to the place where you're ready to. And then on your knees in front of him and in his presence, send me, God. Send me to my neighbors. Send me to my city. Send me to the sick. Send me to the poor. Send me to the people who disagree with me. Send me to uncomfortable places. Send me to lonely places. Send me because I remember. And this is the only way I can respond. If you're in here today, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. And you're ready to come to your senses today. I want you to know that it just doesn't matter who you are. He only has one response when you crest that hill. And he will run to greet you. And if you're ready for that to be you, to feel his embrace, to feel your heart change forever. If you're tired, tired of the famine, tired of being alone, tired of trying to do this on your own. Every head bowed, every eye closed, all you got to do is say this prayer with me. All you got to do is see it. Say it out loud. And he'll bring that coal and touch your lips and you will be made new again. 
Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my selfishness. Forgive me for trying to do it on my own, God. I call it out loud. Forgive me for all the mistakes that I've made. I see how broken I am. I believe in you. I believe that you're good. I believe that what you want for me is good. I believe that, God, your goodness is big enough to cover me. And so I am yours. Whatever you need from this moment forward, God, send me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Gathering Church podcast is produced by the Gathering Church creative team. Want to get involved? Fill out a Connect card online at gatherashville.org. Find us on Facebook at The Gathering Church or on Instagram at Gather Asheville.